0: All right, yo, what's up everybody? Welcome to the Pro Tour Cycling Podcast. This podcast, like we've been waiting to do this podcast for like ever, and the situation has just never been right. We've never like lined up the right amount of guests. It's a lot of work to do a podcast, you know, and we just haven't had the chance to like set it up properly. So right now, today, we're just going to start with whatever we have around us. And we're just gonna bang these podcasts out. The goal is to make the Pro Tour Cycling Podcast the fastest and easiest way for you to stay up to date with all things pro cycling. So maybe we can do this daily. Maybe we can do it a few times a week. We don't know, but we're just gonna start banging out these episodes. And today we're talking about Stage 3 Tour de la Provence, really the second big race of the year uh, so far. And it has been crazy on this podcast, I have my good friend, my bro, business partner, guy I do a lot of stuff with, Juan Belmonte, who is originally from Colombia, but is now living in Montreal, Canada. Juan, how you doing today, my bro? Hey man, uh, I, you know
1: I, I I'm pretty excited about this. I've been i texting you uh, and and calling you. And I've been I've been pushing you to do this for a long time, and and I'm excited. I'm glad
0: that you invited. me. Dude, so um, what do you think about the Colombian uh, showdown today at the Tour de Provence? <laughs> well, well, the, the thing with the Colombians is. is
1: we all expect that Colombians perform like that, that, but the real story right here is La Felipe. That's yeah. that's the real the real story here. It's, it's, his performance was amazing. The Colombians it, they were amazing. Like 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 the level of the Colombians right now is is, is amazing. And it's just the start of the season. It's, it's it's just February, right? So so it's it's a good performance. It's a good show. It, it was a good forms a good uh,
0: advice for the others like hey we're, we're back right I mean for me I was kind of like checking in on a few like key points right so obviously we haven't seen Bernal race like in contention since the Tour de France last year where he, he left with uh, what, what were chalked up later to be scoliosis problems so like twisted spine and just complications that nobody wants to have and so when Bernal started to strip down take his clothes off heading yeah, into the he ba- on. base of Von too it was like okay all right I'm starting to get interested in this race right and It was kind of, the Tour de Provence this year is a different Tour de Provence because there's so many big names on the roster. Typically, this race doesn't bring out these heavy hitters like it did this year. I mean, last year, Nairo Quintana set the record on Vantu, but he was probably the biggest name in the race, right? Um, You know, this year we have Bernal, Alaphilippe, and several other teams with their big guns, at this race, as you know, so many early season races have been canceled. So, in the uh, what was the last race that uh, Brunel and these guys were just at? I forget the name, it was the tour de garde, I forget oh, how no. to say it in French. Uh, it was the uh, it was a uh, uh, it something. Yeah, uh, yeah, something like it, yeah. that, isn't Yeah, so so like you know, Inio sent their rock star roster to this race, it was like a grand tour roster to a to a rolling, punchy classic style race that Tim Wellens ended up, you know, winning the overall at. And it was interesting to see Bernal kind of first couple of stages working on the front, finding his rhythm. Obviously, that was a super sketchy race. All different types of emotions. You know, people training in their home countries, coming over to Europe. Everybody coming in with different levels of motivation, different level of home environments. Everybody bringing a different level of energy. So that race was so chaotic. It was really hard to get a handle on where Bernal was at. Now we see Bernal a little bit more in his el- element here, approaching Mont Ventoux on on stage three of the Tour de la Provence. I lived in this area back when I was racing, and seeing them roll through these little towns that I used to train train in were just like. It was, it was just awesome because I was like, I knew what they were going through and approach to this climb. And I was texting you. I was like, bro, these guys are going so hard right now. Yeah. It is unbelievable. And so it was, it was really kind of interesting to see quick step so confident in alpha leap approaching this climb. The way quick step was riding had me thinking like, well, is Alaphilippe really going to about to do something on Vontu? Because they were riding the front of that group with absolute conviction, which for me, you know, knowing that Alaphilippe is more of a, of a punchy rider, you know, he can win some longer climbs, but longer climbs with the average gradient of like 5%, let's say, Vontu's almost double that at nine. But it was really interesting to see Quickstep riding the front, going into the base of the climb. one. What were you? What were you thinking about Al Philippe as he was as he was kind of setting up for the climb? Did you think it was smoke and mirrors, or did you yeah, believe that Al Philippe? Al- Al- pull Philippe? It off? Yeah, Al
1: Since since the I always say since the last. Two years, right? Since, since the tour that that he made this show and, he, and probably is one of the best tours on, on on the last century, you know, because of the action and stuff. He proved that he can climb those big climbs, not as a climber, because he's still a puncher. Um, but last year he said, well, "Okay, maybe I want to get better on climbs." And this year, um, we were talking about that early. Like he seems in a good shape. He seems like. He's in a better. Um, his legs look look strong, you know. His uh, his ability to suffer a little bit more on those climbs, and he proved it today, right? So um, I don't know what's the plan for Alaphilippe in the future. I don't know if he he want to uh, win a, a, a Grand Tour or or I don't know. But 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 he looked really really strong. He was just there with the top two best climbers probably in the world, right? So it was it was a performance. It was
0: outstanding. It was outstanding. I think I think we saw on on stage one, right? Like Al Philippe is a different animal this year. I don't know what he did this offseason but oh, yeah. I mean his body looks different he's changed so much his legs are much more muscular he's thicker he's a yeah. he's a different rider and so when I saw him riding the way he was riding on stage one which was obviously incredible where he Gianni Moscon yeah. and uh Jacconi, Gicon, um corny, yeah. They were yeah rode like what 75k off the front you know three up breakaway yeah. You know, we, I, I was under the assumption that Alaphilippe was coming in with this different physique to be a little bit stronger for the classics that he had mentioned that he wanted to target this year, you know, along the lines of Tour Flanders and, of course, the Ardennes classics that he's been aiming for for, for years now. But to see Alaphilippe ride the climb, the, the Vontu, the way he rode it today was, in my perspective, absolutely mind-blowing. And... When we look at the list of riders that that trailed in behind Alifou, I mean this 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 will be the telltale sign, right? Like you got Wu, yeah. Wout Pauls, right? Wout Pauls is a GC leader. Jesus Harada, incredible climber. Giulio Ciccone, right? Like Ciccone's amazing. Yeah, he's he's, lemon. A, yeah he's he's a pure climber. All right. We we have we have Jack Hay, well, who's one Luchanco, of the famous to the stage. Luchanco. Patrick yeah. Conrad, Alexandra Vaslov, who was second on this stage last year to not other the Nairo Quintana, who sent the fastest time ever on that climb. <coughs> oh boy. Oh boy. You know, and then Warren Baguio popped. Um, amazing performance from Mateo Jorgensen, the American on Moistar, by the way. But just like a long list of top GC climbers that, that, came in way further down than Alaphilippe. Philippe I don't know where we chalk this up do we chalk this up as Alaphilippe's Philippe's oh, in better preseason form because he's not dialed in for the classics or do we do we just admit the fact that like Alaphilippe Philippe held the two best climbers probably two of the top five climbers in the world to less than 20 seconds on one of the hardest climbs in the world like oh yeah Al- for sure', for sure. Al- 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 is incredible fire
1: and we have to we have to highlight that the pace wasn't slow it was a high pace it was a high pace like they were climbing that in the tour de france these people are showing the form a, a peak form this time of the year like they put it so much work uh, to to go back to racing after the last year they had right so uh, i think they they feel like they lost a year and they they put the double of work um for this year's
0: season so is it was hectic it was amazing there's no way they rode that climb easy easy if you go and you look back at it oh no omar hit the front for a and i was texting you i'm like dude omar fraile does yeah. huge watts for four minutes like huge power and and you could just see his body movement like that guy was pushing the pedal so hard he 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 blew that peloton apart like first two minutes of the climb and then from there, you know, like it was on. It, there was no easing off on that climb. The standout performance for me from the Inio squad was this Rodriguez kid. You know, Rodriguez yeah. was, was was incredible. He hit the front, and he was on the front for like I'd say I'd say ten minutes. You know Lawrence Duplise tried to come around him. He came around him too hard, Egan. Which this was an interesting moment for me because Egan signed a showed a sign of, of mature leadership in this moment when Lawrence DePlus went to come around Rodriguez yeah, a in, in a, a, a surge. Yeah, Egan got on the mic and was like, "Homie, you need to you need to simmer, chill, bro, chill. <laughs> Let's let Rodriguez pull." Rodriguez kept the rhythm going and that group within a couple of minutes started to simmer, started started to slim right down. And as soon as Rodriguez pulled off, Sosa hit him like bam. And I got to admit, you know, based on the energy going into that climb, I was assuming Sosa was about to lead Egan out. You know, I didn't see that Sosa attack coming, and I don't think anybody else saw it either. Because Sosa got well, that I, gap. I, I, yeah, yeah. I saw the the interview after the race, and and Sosa said
1: the plan of the team was attacking with me or Bernal. Uh, I just try first to see what the other teams respond or not, and 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 and, and after that, it just goes on, right? So, and I, I don't think that that that, you know, like Bernal just wanted just to feel how it goes. And and I think he got really confident today. Really, really confident. He just wanted to see where he was, uh, his mind. You know, after all these losses in the last tour, mentally he, he might be broken, his body was broken, and he, he looked really, really relaxed, putting up
0: that tempo, um, I mean we can speak on that a little bit further so like just to give everybody you know a little bit a little bit a bit of a bit, a bit of a bit of a background on that like you know Bernal's been taking heat man like even in his own country here like everybody a lot of yeah. people have turned i've turned their back on Bernal after one bad performance and i still stand right. by that Bernal is the best climber in the world he has it's a world for massive, sure. massive massive 340 350 watt Threshold at a super light weight, like he's like almost the same weight as Nairo with a 50 watt higher threshold. Like he's 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 ridiculous. And um, his
1: level of VO2 max are 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 equal to the one of 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 Lemon had before back in the days. His VO2 max
0: is way too high. He's 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 insane, And, and 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 he's a smart rider. It was it was really interesting to kind of see him sitting there, very calm and collected, but then. Well, the most interesting part of that climb was the way Alaphilippe responded oh, to his attack at like 2K to go. Yeah, yeah. So Brunel sitting on launches this, this attack. It didn't seem like it was a huge Watt attack, honestly. And Alaphilippe is, is, is a much punchier rider. But Alaphilippe came across with some nice conviction there. He was like, bitch, you're not going anywhere. And I was like, it was like, what? Like Alaphilippe's yeah. doing what now? Like... Yeah. count covering Bernal attacks, you know, like after after nine k straight of climbing, like what? I didn't know Alfleeve could do that. He's in great form. That's those are good legs. So I think we can chalk it up as like, wow, stage three Tour de Provence. Like we're 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 blessed with an amazing early season showdown on on uh, uh, Mont 2. But I think for me, the takeaway is is A, Egan Bernal is back. He looks great. Um, he looks very confident. Looks like he's healed really well. And I look forward to seeing him build towards the Giro. And yeah. and and everybody look out. I don't care what races you've been doing, Matteo Vanderpol and Wout Van Art, Al Philippe is a different animal this year. It's going to be an exciting showdown. Last year, I think Wout and Matteo Vanderpol were probably a little bit higher level power than Al-Philippe and Al-Philippe was kind of missing poles and then pipping him at the line, kind of winning races that way. But I think we're going to see a different different Al-Philippe this year. He looks stronger, more powerful than last year. So the classic season is going to be very, very, very exciting. And we haven't seen Peter Sagan yet. We haven't seen Peter Sagan yet. We haven't
1: seen him yet. We have... You know, uh, Wood Barnard is, is taking a break for his uh, cyclocross season, so we don't know when he's gonna come back for the classes or not. So
0: it's gonna be a show. Well, we know we know one thing: Peter Sagan's pissed. Peter oh, yeah. Sagan is motivated to win, dude.
1: That's that's another thing that, that Sagan and Alafelipe are the kind of writers that you know all these writers they use social media and Strava and show their 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 training camps and how they're doing you know even just a session of that they just took a pictures we don't know Sagan and we don't know Alafelipe what they're doing so you know this is the kind of different animal that get in his cave and his mentality and they they go for a win. They don't care about showing stuff. They just put the work during the
0: off-season and, and look, the results are there. Yeah, well, we've got Classic starting in two weeks um, with the Om Loop. I'm super looking forward to that. And um, I'm also looking forward to this this last day of racing at uh, the, the Tour de Provence. It's it's going to be good. I okay, think hopefully tomorrow we have another uh, good race coming yeah we absolutely do i think Al-Philippe can still win this race yeah yeah i'm pretty sure if he gets the time bonuses like if we if we if we take a look at where he sits right now in gc he is 21 seconds down yeah tomorrow he can, he can do it tomorrow there is one, two, three, four, five opportunities for time bonuses. So if he picks up, if he picks up some bonus seconds, and then takes, you know, if he gets three of those, if he gets the KOMs, and then gets one of the sprints or something like that, like he's gonna win. There's no chance those is taking any bonus seconds anywhere on on tomorrow's climbs. <laughs> And hey, we have tomorrow the Classica de Almeria, right? So it's another race, another uh, one-day race tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. So Almeria is exciting. Um, obviously, all the, the big Classics guys are going out there to check their form. Uh, Wolfpack, Wolfpack's got the hype going for sure. I know they're, they're got, they've got most of my attention. But when we look at the Classics teams, obviously, we know the Wolfpack is going to be great. The, the team I'm most excited about in this classic season is AG2R. They have a completely revamped roster, which for me is really interesting because they've made a critical shift in going from like relying on <coughs> Tour de France success with uh, Roman Bardet to Roman now, Bardet. we're going to build a nasty classic squad. So they went out and they saw Greg Van Avermaet, who was very close to going to Israel Startup Nation. So obviously he 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 fell in love with this dream of like a pure classics roster. They signed Bob Jungles, who's a who's a machine, yeah. and a machine, yeah. they have Oliver Nisin, right? Yeah, Oliver all of, Oliver. <laughs> Another machine. Oliver Nyson's kind of been a guy who's just like always, almost been there, right? Like he's he's an animal, he's a beast. You see that guy in person; he's a stud. He's not playing around. He's ready to win races. He just hasn't been able to get the edge over, you know, some of these other these other guys like Van Averman and, and even Jungles for that matter, Sagan. But now he's got a couple of them on his team, so it'll be really interesting to see how those three play off of each other. And I see them because they're. They're all slightly different attributes, right? So, Bob Jungles is a guy that can go for the longer solo attack, right? Greg Van Averman is not a guy anybody wants to go to the line with in a small group. He, he used to be a bunch sprinter. Oh, no, absolutely. It transitioned into a classics, right? Yeah. And Nyson is a guy that's kind of in the middle, right? So, if there's a small group of like six to eight guys and Greg and Nyson are both there, Nyson's going to go for that intermediate distance. Attack that intermediate distance solo, right? So I mean, I think AG2R has three guys that can be in the first group of any finale of any classics race, and it's going to be interesting to watch yeah, them unleash. And team,
1: this is the kind of team that never, um, never back down to any race. You know, it's not strongest team, but they always work hard. For the leader, no matter what. So, so yeah, like you said, it's pretty interesting. It's it's a, it's a pretty good team to 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 watch for this next season.
0: All right, so I think that summarizes this episode. The other thing we have to touch on real quick: UCI regulations, absolute BS. Um, that obviously came out this week. We don't know if you guys have heard about it. You can't arrow tuck anymore. Super tuck. You can't put your hands on your bars. Um, let us know what you guys think about this. Send us a uh, tag. Tag us on ProTour Cycling. I mean, we already made a couple posts about it, but just in my in my opinion, I'll say I've said it on ProTour Cycling's page, and I'm gonna say it again here right now. I think the UCI is directing their energy in all the wrong places. They need to invest their time in looking at. Uh, you know, road safety—making sure the road surfaces are good, making sure there's no oil in the roads, making sure there's no islands, making sure corners are marked, making sure things are padded, making sure riders are safe before they go ahead and start restricting stupid things like arrow positions. It is my feeling that these new restrictions are very much put in place to do favors for brands. You know, brands are getting well, but, warranty but, issues with people riding on their. Do top you know tubes. You know
1: what's uh, what's uh, something that caught my mind and the other day because the writers were aware of right. So the, the UCI sent these uh, messages to Telegram to the 900 writers that being part of the of this commission of the writers. So Only 50 that reply and they only 50 that read that message. So when the writers said, "Well, but you didn't tell us," well, we did tell you, but. No one put your hand up and, and you know, and 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 talk about it. And even uh, even uh, Matheus Trentin and and and, and this, um and Felipe uh, the the only guys that say, "Well, guys, we need to do something," and no one step up and 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 fight for it. So that's also sad, right? So they complain, but after when when they
0: can just do something before this regulation came out. So. I mean, that's, that's cycling, bro. Like that's, that's the thing, right? Like we've tried to do things in the past and it's like, it's one thing to go and make memes on your Instagram about the rules that are in place. And it's a whole nother thing to step up and take a stand when you have the opportunity to keep that rule from being enforced. So my message to all the the pros that are listening to this is stop being such pussies like stop, stop being little, little babies, like take some responsibility for your sport, because you guys have more control and more power than you think. You're not going to lose your contract, because you say, Hey, you know what, I don't like this rule. You know, like, yeah. I, I, I think I think a lot of these guys live in glass houses, right? Yeah. And it's like, guys, like, you guys are all champions. You guys are all bosses. Like, that's that's the thing. I, I, and when I say stop being pussies, I mean, I mean, I mean that like realize, realize the power that you have within yourself, the pro riders, you guys, you guys have the biggest voice there is on the platform, right? Like speak up, say something. Yeah. And because there's people, there's people like us at pro tour cycling, for example, who are going to pick up your story and back you up when it comes to doing what's right for this sport. So don't be afraid to stand up and say things. Nobody's going to label you as a crybaby or this or that. Like, you got to take some responsibility, and, and that was what what Mateo sent in. That Tre- what Mateo Trent had said there was very concerning, right? Like, why did only twenty guys open that message? What are you guys doing? What are you guys exactly. doing? You know what I mean? Like, how busy are you? You're not that busy, <laughs> you exactly. know? Like, if they post there, something on social media. I'm pretty sure they can be able to respond the message. Like, I mean, that's important. So. Wanna want let's let's be real. There's one Peter Sagan. There's one ala Philippe. There's one, there's only so many guys with huge endorsement steals and schedules that are absolutely packed. These other riders, they're amazing athletes, but their, their schedules are not that busy, right? They got to ride five or six hours a day. They have all the time in the world yeah. to open an email and, and take some take some action when they can, right? Like that's, and everybody wants to bitch about the CPA taking, you know, because the riders have to pay for the CPA, right? So the riders have to pay into that, the, the, the cyclist union, Right. And and then the thing is like when the, when the CPA has the app, the opportunity to make changes, the riders don't want to get involved in making those changes, but then they're going to bitch about how the CPA takes their money. But it's like, you could put that money that you have to invest in your prize money that you have to pay into the CPA, put it to work for you. Because if that's me, if that's me and you're taking a cut of my prize money or like whatever, you're taking some of my money. I'm going to make sure you're working for my money. That's my Absolutely. money. I, I want to make sure still your
1: money. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. You, you know what I mean? I want to make sure that these rules are, are, are being enforced. I want to make sure that when I'm going into a sprint finish 2k to go, I'm not running into a barrier. Right. Yeah. So like, if you yeah. if you're, if you're going to take some of my bread, you're going to keep me safe. Like that's the way I kind of see it. You know what I mean? I think yeah, if absolutely. more riders had that perspective, they'd be taking these, these kind of meetings and these emails a little bit more seriously. Um, one, any last things you want to add to this bro hey no well
1: uh let's hope we can just uh, keep going and doing this man this is pretty cool man you know you uh, people have to have to uh, uh hear us out and and and, and we are around all this uh, amazing sport and and I'm, I'm
0: i'm excited for tomorrow's races man yeah me too yeah we'll keep the podcast going guys like if you listen to the podcast, you got to let us know what you want to hear on it. This is all, this is new. We're going to try to do this every day. Tag us in your social media posts, share this, share this podcast. You know what I mean? Like we, we give us some love, bro. We need the love. And then uh, we'll bring more people on and we'll, we'll do more. It's just a matter of getting it going right now. So episode one, 2021, we're out. Thank you guys for tuning in.